Hey, this is Derek D-Train, he too. Tonight's episode is brought to you by KingTuckGraphics.com. Are you looking for a better way to promote your business? Have you ever thought about a new sign, window film, clear coat, or even wrapping your vehicle? Think about it. All the time you spend in your car driving around Raleigh, North Carolina, a vehicle wrap can be working right alongside you. A clear branding strategy can make the difference between your next call or not. If you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, check them out at KingTuckGraphics.com. Your satisfaction with their products and service is guaranteed. So go online to kingtutgraphics.com and check them out. Get a free quote and get started with kingtutgraphics.com. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We got another exciting episode tonight. We're number 80 tonight, folks. That's right, number 80. So you got to check out all our other episodes, but we have 80 episodes now out there. So make sure you're checking them all out. We have the usual suspects sitting in with us tonight. We have our producer, the guy that makes it all happen. Patrick Uncle Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And the local nerd on staff, our IT guy, Robbie P. Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, your mama now. And the all-around sports guru, the guy that we go to for all of our sports news, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, Guido? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, doctor. Tonight's episode presented by Branded Bills, brandedbills.com. If you haven't checked them out, some of the coolest hats on the market, and then we just uh, landed a big sponsorship with them, so check them out. And uh, tonight we have a very special guest that we're interviewing tonight. We have uh, a former NHL hockey player, played uh, nine seasons in the NHL, Ryan Vanderbush, who played with the Rangers, the Penguins, a long stint with the Blackhawks, and uh, known for being an enforcer in the NHL and uh, mucking it up with some of the tough guys. Um, throughout the league in his career and uh, he's now the, the founder and creator of New Leaf Canada um, we're also going to get into a little bit of that with him so I'd like to introduce Ryan how are you tonight? Pretty good guys thanks for having me. Welcome to the Blue Line Hockey Club man appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, you know it's a pleasure to get talking to some of the NHL alumni and uh, you know you had a pretty pretty extensive career uh, dating back all the way to the Cornwall Royals, I believe, is the name of the team, OHL, and that's, uh, I actually just lived in Messina, New York, we're from up there, just across the bridge from where you were playing there, so we know exactly where your your pro career started. Well, I played in Messina as well. Messina Americans, yeah. Yeah, so you you know the North North Country, it's already cold as shit up there, and, you know, hockey has started, and it's uh, already rolling up there, so. Uh, just uh, getting in a little bit of your career and, uh, you know, before we get into New Leaf and just to explain to us a little bit maybe how you uh, how you found your role in the NHL, maybe as a tough guy or an enforcer um, or that role. Did that develop early in your career or is that something that came out later? Well, uh, define early in your career, like uh, junior <laughs> career, I, I, junior B, uh, Minor hockey, minor hockey. I was like any other kid that loved to play hockey. I just had a passion to play and loved it. Wanted to score goals like any other kid. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, it didn't turn out that way when I turned pro. I couldn't score goals like I used to in minor hockey, so you kind of have to reinvent yourself. I was always, uh, uh, you know, a, a skater, a good four checker, and uh, I finished my checks. And so, you know, come junior B, when I was 16 years old, um, 
you know, because I finished my checks and uh, a lot of the older guys didn't like that. They came after me and, and I, I didn't back down. So I guess I started honing in on my skills uh, as a 16 year old playing junior B and junior C. And then uh, that got me drafted to the Cornwall Royals in the 14th round. And uh, as I'm driving to Cornwall with my dad, he says, Brian, you're a 14th round draft pick. You're going to be probably gone in two days unless you do something on the ice and get noted in a good way. <laughs> I'm there to play your oh, So I think I was there hear that Owen Nolan got uh, drafted first overall by the Professor Nardique. So he was a Cornwall Royal. So he comes back to Cornwall camp, uh, getting ready for his uh, Quebec camp beforehand. And, and uh, I, I got a good body check on him. But I did not come out. He missed three three months that year at the training camp in Quebec. So I kind of got noticed that way. And, you know, then a team tough guy goes, comes after me. And, um, I didn't really realize I could fight like, that well until I, I just started playing, uh, started playing a little more junior A. Guys came after me for the way I played. Like I said, I didn't back down. So that's kind of how it all started. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how that, that role develops. We've talked to a couple of different enforcers uh, on our show that we've had on. And, you know, some of the guys say, you know, it's not really something that I enjoyed doing, but it was a role that I, you know, embraced and I knew I had to, I had to go out there and fight once in a while. And that was part of my role on the team. And, you know, what was your, what was your take on that? Was that something that you, know, you, you didn't really enjoy doing or you didn't mind doing it? Or what was that like? Well, to be honest with you, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't mind. I, I was, you know, you're, you're a little young and dumb, and you don't really realize the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was something. I, I grew up fighting. To be honest with you, I had an older brother that was 16 months older than me, and uh, we we had our fair share of fisticuffs growing up uh, as young kids. And my, my dad would separate us. I could put on the boxing gloves, and he said, the winner of this fight takes me on. So <laughs> I was introduced to uh, uh, the Fisticuffs quite early. And, and um, you know, as I got older, you, you realize, whoa, this is really tough on your body and it hurts. So you get a little bit more timid. But by then, you're making some decent money. And you, uh, I, I looked at the physicality of the game as something that I could control for the most part. You know, like, I wasn't. I, I didn't uh, psych myself out. I, 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 you know, people say, "Well, how did you sleep in the afternoons?" So you knew you had to be battle against these guys like George Rock or Steve Grimson and, and Lee Beedock and those types of guys. And I, well, the way I looked at it, it was, you know, I, I couldn't lose because I, I'm not a big guy. I'm not, you know, I'm about five eleven, three quarters to be exact, and uh, two hundred pounds soaking wet. So anyone that I was strapped was <laughs> Ryan, you know, a lot of talk in the uh, NHL is, uh, you know, they're getting away from fighting, a lot of, um, you know, just hugging in front of the net. Um, do you think uh, fighting will ever go away um, from hockey? And what do you think? It should stay or should it go? Or I know you've had a few concussions and uh, that's big uh, with you right now. But uh, what's your stance on fighting in the NHL? 
Well, I, I think there's a time and a place for it. I mean, stage fighting is probably, there's no use for that. I, I think that, um, you know, there's, there, there is a role. I think there should always be a role. To, you know, you get guys that are taking liberties on, on smaller players and running around. Well, they gotta, they should have to answer the belt. Uh, Definitely. Um, I, yeah, so, um, I, I, I think, it's talking about concussions. I, I thought most of my concussions not from fighting. It was from just you know body contact, uh, blindsided hits, or even in practices. I had some of my worst concussions in practice. <laughs> so uh, I must escape with my head down or something doing counter drills. <laughs> uh, I, I think, like I said, it's not in place, but uh, it is part of the game, and that's what makes it such a beautiful game because there's so many different skills. Uh, the game, there's, you know, you got your speed, you got your finesse, you got your physicality. Um, so I, I think I, I'd hate to see it go completely, but I can understand uh, why it would. Who was uh, one of the guys that you had to, you know, when you were in the show and you had to uh, line up against, or you knew they were in the locker room, like that guy, you're like, fucking A, he's, I know he's going to want to fight me. Um, who was that guy? Did you have one of those yeah. guys? Well, yeah, in junior, uh, it was probably uh, any time we were playing against North Bay, Dennis Bobby was playing that team. So I always knew that there was going to be a good tussle with him. Like it seemed like every time we played against each other, we were fighting each other. Um, so and, and and you know, any, pick your choose your uh, weapon in the NHL because every team had a pretty solid tough guy. So yeah, you know, guys like you know, I've had, I've been over three hundred bare knuckle on ice fights. Holy shit. Broken three times. And, uh, you know, and it was it was good by guys like Grimson and Belak and, and The Rock. So, uh, not just because they broke my nose, but, you know, those were little tough, tough afternoon naps before the, the game. So, <laughs> uh, so going, in at, going into Edmonton and, you know, you know, maybe get a couple shifts in the first period and then the second period, you're not really playing that much. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're down by three, four goals, and you got to go out in the ice, and you got to do something to change the momentum of the game. And that, that was always tough going out there cold and having to do battle with a guy like, guys like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did see one of your fights with uh, Grimison online, and, um, man, he, he got you like three or four times in the side of the head. And I was like, how is this guy not going down right now? I mean, it's, that's like the stuff that you don't see as much anymore, you know, like they don't see the full out fights and the, you know, it's more of a hug fest and stuff like that. But, you know, there were some, I mean, I don't know if it's memorable for you, but I mean, a lot of that stuff you see online is, uh, you know, the Nick Kiprios fight, I guess, um, you know, where he was knocked out. He wouldn't go down, right? The refs asked him to go if he wanted it to break, if he wanted them to break it up, but he said no. And, Ryan just knocked him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, just before the ref came in, I cut him over the eye. That's where the blood came from when he hit the ground. It wasn't a mouth or nothing like that. But yeah, no, that, that's, uh, you know, he was at the near the tail end of his career. I was young and hungry at the beginning of my career. And, uh, you know, I, I was in that role, too, at the end of my career. I was getting sent down to the minors during the lockout year, uh, during the 0405 season. Whereas, you know, like my, the general manager of Pittsburgh asked me to go down and work with the younger guys. And I was like, you know you throw me in a pack of wolves, right? So I not only went down there and played a regular shift and got some power play and got some penalty killing time, I also found a lot of scraps because people came after me all the time because, I, you know, I came from the NHL. So 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, and then you're playing three games in three nights in the minors, too. And, oh. You know, it was a six-hour bus trip in between the first and last <laughs> game. So <laughs> it was a grind. There's no doubt about that. In the Always Hungry League, I call it the AHL. Yeah, everybody, everyone wants to get noticed, so they see you coming down. They're all just wanting to bite you, so every single oh. fucking shift. Yeah, that's just stupid to say no half the time, so I ended up obliging most of them and kind of hurt me in the end. I ran injuries on my neck uh, that year, and it kind of, you know, took that into the next, the following season, and I ended up retiring because of it, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's not a, not an easy game, but it's, uh, I had a great time. Yeah. So, it, what it, kind of what kind of lasting effects do you have from that kind of stuff, Ryan? I mean, is it uh, is stuff lingering to this day, or what? Uh, you know, I'm very conscious of what I put into my body and, and how I treat myself. I treat my my body a hell of a lot better now that I've done hockey than I did when I was playing hockey. To be honest, with you. <laughs> um, so I, I don't I don't know. It's all backwards for me. I, I wish I knew what I I knew now that I didn't know back then. So. Um, no, I, I think for the most part, uh, just some chronic pain and sleeplessness is my biggest issue. And, you know, that's, uh, I used to be an eight hour sleep guy. Now I'm three to five. So uh, <laughs> it's a little different. Yeah, for sure. We had Riley Cote on uh, on the show a little while back. And I think he said the exact same thing you just said is about, about he's very conscious about what he puts in his body now. And, um, you know, he's in the CBD world and, you know, if you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now, um, you know, as far as maybe helping with some of the pain ailments that you have, um, you know, from your career with, with uh, New Leaf Canada and uh, just fill us in, fill the listeners in about, about that uh, business that you've created. Yeah. So I retired from the game after 14 years uh, in 2000, January, 2007. And, and, 2009, I was introduced to cannabis medical purposes. You know, throughout my career, I had 12 surgeries, north of 20 concussions, and, and many broken bones along the way. So I was pretty battered and beaten when I left the game. And, and, and about five years prior to my retirement, uh, at least five, six, seven years before my retirement, you know, the, the prescription opiates uh, were quite heavy in my system because that's what we were given, you know, that, that, that was the norm back then. Percocet, Vicodin, Oxycontin, Zambians, sleep at night, anti-inflammatories right after the game, they give you anti-inflammatories, you know, you go out there and you're supposed to eat food first and then take it. Well, of course, we don't do that always, but you go drink first. So now they got food in the dressing room right after the game. So after, you know, <laughs> getting somewhat dependent on all that, a couple got retirement, like I said, post-hockey uh, retirement. In 2009, I was introduced to cannabis for medical purposes uh, by, a, by a friend. And I was just talking about I just looked at it. I didn't know there's any healing properties in cannabis. So I started looking into it, doing my own research and due diligence. Uh, so I, I realized that, whoa, I can I can apply for my own life. And so I got, in 2010, I was able to grow my own plant. Well, of course, I didn't know how to grow, so I had to find a, find a grower to grow for me. And once we got this up and running and going, I started trying this medicine as opposed to these uh, you know, painkillers. And um, after a couple of years, it, I treated it completely off the opioids. 
and uh, and I, I have cannabis to thank for that 100%. So um, back in 2013, I, I applied to be an LP. I wanted to create medicine in the world. And uh, I started a company called uh, New Deep Canada Inc. And we just uh, built our 32,000 square foot facility. Uh, we're waiting just for our, uh, our attestation video to get back. We have our cultivation license. And I got my hemp license uh, last May. So, you know, we grew a hemp last year and we're helping that uh, section of the business too. So we'll be able to grow outdoor hemp and indoor cannabis and, and make the perfect medicine for what got me into this space with sleeplessness and chronic pain. And, it's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, are dealing with chronic pain, whether you're an athlete, a former athlete, or current one, or, or you know, just a regular person that, you know, maybe has been in a car accident or slipped and fell. There's a lot of people out there that are not, um, you know, that are dealing with chronic pain. So this is a, a more sustainable, natural alternative that has really helped me. Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, obviously in Canada being legal now, um, you know, it's it's really been researched to see how this can be used. Obviously, the, the medical marijuana thing came first. And, um, you know, a lot of people have seen I actually have an uncle who has MS that um, that uses it for his pain in his legs and stuff like that. And um, he has been self-medicating for years and, you know, uh, been judged for it, I would think. Um, by people like, you know, he's a pothead or whatever it might be, but, you know, he sees it as, you know, something that helps him relieve pain every day. Well, there, there's such a stigma attached. It's kind of getting normalized right now, but we got to keep on trying to normalize it and get people talking about it because it, it really is a, a better natural alternative. You know, you look at alcohol, what that does, it's a dehydrant and a depressant, and it may make you feel good while you're drinking it, but it's going to really hurt you the next day, as we all know. And don't get me wrong, I like my own drink a while too, but I certainly have cut down on my drinking uh, because I just can't. It just hurts me too much the next day. So uh, next I next three days. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> and then uh, our company teamed up with uh, Athletes for Care. So our New Deep Canada was a founding sponsor to bring Athletes for Care into Canada. So we've got about 200 athletes registered under Athletes for Care, and they're not. It's just not hockey, it's MMA, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. And uh, so we're creating one voice to, to you know, promote, advocate uh, alternative medicines such as hemp and cannabis, and um, continue to do research and development with uh, our former players and current ones, and, um, and to share what we know to the rest of the world. Uh, so in a, in, a, in a greater hope, you know, normalizing this type of medicine. So Ryan, are you uh, just a grower, or do you process the hemp too? Uh, I know the in the United States here, there's a lot of uh, um, growers, but there's not enough processors. Are you processing the hemp too? That's a good question. Um, you know, being kind of late in the game, like with regards to becoming an LP, uh, it, it allowed us to be able to pivot a couple different times. So to answer your question, yes, we're going to be a fully integrated uh, vertically integrated company where we grow it and we process it, package it, and sell it. So that's nice. that's kind of where we're at. Um, so yeah, we're just actually looking at extraction machines right now. Perfect. Yeah. Well, nice. Pete, I know. Go ahead, Pat. No, I was just going to say uh, we'll get back to New Leaf. I, I was just uh, wanted to get back to a little more hockey talk. Um, 
and you, and Ryan, you got to play with some top dogs. I know you got to play with, uh, was it Messier, Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Crosby. Um, can you talk a little bit about that playing with the, uh, some of the best in the, uh, you know, in the NHL? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll never forget it. The dream come true. Uh, you know, when I was six, no, I was eight years old or so, Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier broke into the league. So that was in like 78, 79. And, uh, you know, fast forward oh, 15 years later, and here I am. I'll never forget my first game in Buffalo. Uh, day before, uh, the day of the game, we had a pregame meal. I was walking into the restaurant, and there's Gretzky sitting there, and he waved me over, and I so I had breakfast with him. And then uh, wow. I'm on the end. And I'll never forget sitting on the bench and looking to my left, and there's Messi, and to my right is winning Bretzky. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> so, I was Thanks, seven years old in the league. So it's, it's pretty cool to uh, be able to play with you know, my boyhood idols that I totally looked up to. And then, you know, and then I go straight to the Chicago Blackhawks. And you know, I was a big fan of Bob Probert. I got to play with him for seven years, and I was roommates with him for four of those years, so I, I got to know him uh, quite well, and uh, then my last year in the league uh, with Pittsburgh Penguins, and uh, the lockout year was a wash, I went down to Wilkes-Barre, and then the following year, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the lottery, and was able to draft Sidney Crosby first overall, so that prompted to get Mario Lemieux out of retirement, so I was able to play with Sidney Crosby and Mario Lemieux, so that's, that's kind of neat. Wow. Do you play with Jeremy Roenick in Chicago? No, I just missed him. I uh, traded to Chicago in the spring of uh, 98. He uh, was already gone. Yeah. I heard some good stories about him. He was just uh, a, a big gambler and liked to play uh, a lot of pranks on uh, his teammates. So I didn't know if you uh, played with him. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a few gamblers out there. I'll never forget playing <laughs> in New York and watching the. Uh, the high rollers gamble in front of me, and I, I never learned to play card, like learn to play uh, blackjack or, or not, not poker, because these guys have pots of like ridiculous amounts of money, and they're <laughs> more than I make in a year. So, anyways, it was uh, an interesting experience and uh, something that I'll never forget. Right. You still, uh, oh, sorry. Go no, I was going to ask him. Do you uh, do you pay much attention to the game now that you're out of it? Uh, do, what do you think of today's NHL? I'll be honest with you. It's hard for me to to watch it now. I I love it. Like when I sit down, I just that's just fast game, amazingly fast. Uh, but I don't watch it that often because I have two kids that are playing fairly competitive hockey right now. So and it's a decent drive to get them. So you know, five six nights of the week, I'm on the road. You know, being a cab driver, being a dad, <laughs> Good dad. Kids around. when I get home, I'm like, I either got work to do or I want to go to bed. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't watch a lot of hockey, to be honest with you. Now, I, just, I do watch a lot for the kids, not, not uh, yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. For all the listeners out there, Ryan's actually driving, what, an hour from hockey practice tonight. So, uh, awesome dad. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Ryan, tell us, uh, I'm always fascinated with the uh, um, rookie rookie parties did you guys have rookie parties back then and i know there's usually like a limit you can each rookie has to spend like five ten grand what was it like back when you played and did you have one yeah yeah so my first year pro at st john's newfoundland toronto park came 
Uh, we had a rookie party there, and we all uh, had to kiss the Todd, you know, get screeched in and all that kind of stuff. So that, that was pretty neat. And do a little speech in front of all the veterans and, and do a shot. And then uh, I'm with the Rangers, and I was, I was called up. I think I played like 10 games at a time. Uh, so I happened to be with the team when they were doing the rookie party. So I had an option to either, you know, just get the rookie party over with now or wait till next year uh, because I was just called up, right? And it's not cheap to go up to dinner with, you know, you're taking the whole team out. And we went to this. So I decided, oh, no, I want to get this out of the way. Let's get it done now because there's actually, I think, four, four or five rookies on the team at that point in time. So I'm like, yeah, probably going to be cheaper now. Never know. Next year, it might only be two rookies. Right, so we went to a restaurant called The Forge in in uh, Florida, Miami, and um, took the team out, and it, it was you know it was a ridiculous expensive meal. And <laughs> I remember, so, oh my god, like a big ticket item here. So, and, but Gretzky actually he, he took care of most of that bill. Where I think it only cost us a couple of twenty five hundred bucks a piece. We chipped in, and then he, he took care of the rest. So, great, great. Great older veterans on that team, and that uh, took care of the younger guys for sure. Nice. That's good. That's that's good to hear. The great one taking care of the young guys, man. You don't hear stuff, you know. So that's yeah, awesome. Two awesome. Yeah, good old Brantford boy, Brantford Ontario boy. You know, he likes to have a couple beers like anybody else, having a good yeah. time. That's and where are you player. from, Ryan? Again. Uh, half hour south of Brantford. So uh, Delhi is the town that I grew up in. Um, so Norfolk County is the, is the, uh, is the municipality. So, yeah. Nice. 90 miles northwest of Toronto on the North Shore of Lake Erie. Oh, okay. Cold. Have you ever heard of Port Dover? Have you ever heard of Port Dover? No. Okay. Where are you guys from? Where's this based out of? So pretty much Messina, New York, Potsdam, Canton, uh, St. Lawrence, uh, Clarkson University. Oh, oh you're but, uh, that way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's where we were all born and raised. We all played hockey there, uh, won some state championships. A couple of us played junior Bs over in Canada. Um, but uh, we're all over now. We're in Florida, North Carolina. Um, and so – but. We're up there, up north in the hockey country. That's uh, where our passion came from with hockey. Tundra. Well, Messina's a – I remember that place because when I was in Cornwall my first year, you know, sometimes they sent me down to the team of the play with the junior B team, the junior Messina American. I think it was tier two junior A, they called it. And uh, so I used to hang out with uh, lots of natives, actually, with uh, breaking yeah. across the border. And we'd, we'd go over to see them and hang out with them there and sit around a table and <laughs> have a good time. But, yeah, a yeah. lot of good, a lot of good cannabis from those native folks right there too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they got a lot of good cannabis there, that's for sure. So let's get uh, before we let you go, let's just get back to uh, New Leaf Canada. Um, you know, is that uh, something that people in Canada can find retail, or is it you guys like a wholesale company that is distributing to um, dispensaries, or how's that work? Yeah, well, that that's the plan. Is we're gonna have our own dispensary, but we're gonna have our own retail shop out of this site where you know where our, our my farm is. So we have a 64 acre farm. Uh, we'll be growing about 40 acres of outdoor hemp for 2020, 
and then we'll do uh, indoor cannabis and processing. And then um, from from there, uh, you know, uh, dispensary, we can do retail dispensary, but nothing is up and running yet because we're just waiting for our cultivation license. And, all, and, and then in Jamaica, we're also in Jamaica, Duty Canada is Duty uh, Jamaica as well, where we've got a processing facility, we've got a retail outlet already there, we've got two farms, and we're looking at uh, um, negotiating a deal with the, a company over there to grow a couple thousand acres of hemp in Jamaica and set that fair processing facility and, and get ready for the uh, export. Uh, rules so we can ship it out to the countries that are allowing imports of uh, cannabis hemp. You looking for any Americans to go over there in Jamaica and work or manage that shop? Test. <laughs> Test. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll need a team. Uh, we're, we're able to use a lot of locals and, you know, if we're in Jamaica and other countries, we partner with the local Jamaican there. And, um, what, you know, the game plan there is to uplift the community that we're in and, and create jobs for the locals. And, uh, you know, it's a third world country, as, you, as you're aware of, and I, I think that we, you know, we're going to go there, make a footprint of, of growing our ganja along with them. That you know, we want to do good things and uplift our community because uh, you know, in the end, that'll be our best security as well. Yeah. Yeah, Robbie, you've been doing a lot of research yourself. Uh, <laughs> just uh, pro bono, huh? Yeah, hey, I'd, I'd do it for free. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. got my number, Ryan. If you need help, over there, you me over so we can Sounds go. Good. Sounds good. Good <laughs> on. So, do you have a website, Ryan? Uh, the newly five a website people can check out. We're we're just building it now. It's going to be called newleafcan.com, newleafcan.com, and uh, it's just uh, the whole day position right now. But uh, we'll be that right shortly. We'll be ready to go for the first quarter of 2020. Perfect. Let, let us know. We'll put it up on the web, website. And uh, thanks for coming on, Ryan. Oh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you guys enjoy the night. Yeah. And uh, if you want um, some people to test your samples, let us know. We can do that, too, here live on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Love feedback, for sure. <laughs> Well, right. I just got to gotta get a couple more states to legalize it here. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, well, uh, is Trump going to legalize it or what's going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I got it. It's coming. It's coming. Hey, Ryan, uh, been a pleasure. Uh, it's always good to talk to some NHL guys on the Blue Line Hockey Club. And, um, you know, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy your night and get home safe. Drive safe, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good night. Cheers, man. Right. Take care. Bye. All right, boys. That that interview with uh, Ryan Vanderbush uh, brought to you by Brandon Bills. What a what a great guy. Uh, you know, another uh, NHL guy going into the cannabis world. Uh, you know, different um, than Riley's uh, company, but um, using that that cannabis to help people with their ailments and their pain. And uh, obviously, um, he touched on it a little bit where. You know, some of these athletes, when they get these these uh, you know, major injuries, are pushed towards opiates, and uh, especially back in his day, and you know, get dependent on it, and uh, you know, addicted. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of a good alternative for for those people that need to um, medicate with something not so addictive and not so bad for your body, and 
you know, that you don't become dependent on like an opiate. So a, a great thing for people that may have been addicted to that kind of stuff in the past and another alternative, something a little bit more safe. And, um, you know, it's it's a controversial thing with, with people still in, in the United States, um, not so much in Canada anymore. But, you know, it, it, people are starting to open their eyes and realize that it can be used for good things. So I'm glad to see that he's doing good things with New Leaf Canada and we wish him the best of luck. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean he even said, sorry, Derek, that, you know, yeah. and it's, and it's currently, you know, you know, a couple of NHL guys I speak to, they hand those bills out, like, you know, they're fucking chicklets, you know? So, uh, and, and back when Ryan was playing, you know, that that's when fights were fights. They fucking fought. It wasn't, you know, a hug and put the glove in your face. They Is the ref fucking, coming? Is the ref coming? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where the fuck's the zebras? They hug, hug each other and wait for the refs to come in and break it up. These guys fucking fought until blood was pouring out of their fucking face, MMA style. So, you know, they they were handing these out, like Ryan said, and, you know, there's better better alternatives. And um, you know, Look, I, you know, I've shared my story. I, I, I'm not concerned about it. it. It's helped me get away from alcohol and, and hard drugs myself. You know, what, what I heard from him was you know it's no longer just about sports guys if you have trauma anywhere and for a wide range of of ailments right now this is a viable solution to the opioids that they're passing out as soon as you take a handful or get through your first bottle you're technically probably hooked on it yeah put add a couple cold ones and on on top of it and you don't right and we all know about that experience it, it leads to blacked out nights and who knows fucking what <laughs> but, uh, you know look uh with with marijuana it's just not the same i i, I don't care what anybody says uh it, it is a an absolutely a viable solution to you know anything compound made in a, a lab i'm sorry yeah, I think the stigma the stigma is wearing off too. You know, that's the, that's it the big thing. Is. Yeah, that's the big thing that that they have to get over the hump with these. Uh, you know, our our country, especially uh, other countries, are ahead of the curve on this kind of stuff. But you got to get you know the what? stigma. Of this is just kind of stupid. I mean, op- opioids. I've witnessed it firsthand. I have a family member that battled addiction with opioids, and it's just it's it's awful, man. What it does. I mean, it takes it takes a it can take a person that is so highly successful intelligent and suck everything out of them you know what i mean and strip the life right out of them i mean if, and so if you have an alternative like marijuana cannabis cbd whatever it is that can uh like like rob said not be produced in some lab somewhere and some big pharma making big money off of it not caring a damn about what it does to the public the side um, effects are yeah. longer than the reasons you're taking it or something fucking wrong yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good stuff, I think. And I think it's. I think as we move forward here over the next couple of years, you're going to see it legalized, probably all across this country. I would think, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I I have been with sent you guys numerous texts on uh, marijuana stocks. Canopy growth is a big one in Canada. Um, it's it's just a good uh, uh, business to uh, um, keep an eye out because eventually, like Derek said, the stigma is going to be over. Um, and it it's just going to be the norm. It's going to be. I like, can't wait because my backyard is going to be full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's another thing, guys. Like we didn't realize, like you know, kind of in, in the hockey world, we've been ahead of the game 
but we were way ahead of the game in the marijuana world. We've been, yeah. we've been, uh, we've been <laughs> using this for, uh, you know, our pains for 25 years. So, you know, well, we got you know shit what? on us. We, we also used alcohol the same way. We, we didn't realize it, but, you know, you go and you socialize, and when your entire fucking shoulder from neck to hip is black and blue, you know, five, six, ten beers, and you're finally walking straight again. Yeah, you know, and after ten beers, you know, ten beers wasn't enough. It was bring on the eight balls and fucking fuckers <laughs> and have a good time. So, Snorting you know, Molly yeah. off someone's ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah we were definitely ahead of our game and one thing that we are also ahead of our game and we're going to get into a little bit of that because we like to stay up on that and be ahead of everybody else on our hockey news on the blue line hockey club so tonight's episode like we've been talking about everything is brought to you by brandon bills tonight and if you haven't checked out their lids get to brandonbills.com because they are legit and they send us some Pretty sweet hats. I've got one on right now. So if you're on YouTube watching our show, you'll be able to see that hat. Um, and we've got a couple couple different styles. So we'll have those out uh, on our YouTube that you'll be able to see too. So check out BrandonBills.com. All right, boys, let's get into some hockey news. It's, uh, you know, I think we're like, what, like 14 games in somewhere in there in the 14, NHL? 15, and, actually, no, 15, 16, and 17. All teams have played 15, at least 15 other teams have played 17. I think the biggest news is Evander Kane. Who wants to elaborate on Evander Kane? You brought it up. Set it out, <laughs> Big Mouse. Yeah, set, like, set up the story with Evander Kane. Evander Kane owns, owes a casino in uh, Las Vegas some money, $500,000. Just, you oh, know, boy. Po- oh, boy. pocket change. Uh, I think uh, Uber money. A couple of guys here. We were talking before we, uh, uh, we went live on this podcast that you know, how in the fuck do you owe, I mean, Evander Kane's getting paid. I don't know his salary. Someone can look that up, but he's getting paid. So, I mean, and he's been in the league a couple of years. He's got to, hopefully, he's got to have some money in the bank, right? So, who knows? Did he go out there and get wasted? And I'm Evander Kane. He's Give been there numerous times. Give me 500000 you guys back Tuesday. My mom's there or something. <laughs> wasted. Um, yeah. And, and and he just hasn't gotten the money to him, but uh, um, I think it, you know, being we the can casino. Just ask the Ottawa Senators owner about that. Yeah, hey, we can. He's got some get, time. We'll get the Ottawa Senators <laughs> owner on, see if he can explain it. But uh, um, you know, I, I'm sure the casino has a lot of people that uh, you know, high rollers that come in day after day that live in Vegas that do this for a living that front money to them. But to the point where they um, take you to court, it's got to be a while. And I don't think um, there's anything out there on social media or in the public of how long it's been. But still, uh, Vander Kane. Um, that's yeah. Funny. I feel it's almost like the, you know, I've been on this the other side of this very small scale where you're out with your buddies and like, hey, can I borrow 100 bucks? And you're like, yeah, you know, just get me back tomorrow. And then you never see the guy. You know, it's like, yeah. the fuck, man. Like, I knew I shouldn't have gave that guy any money. But, you know, that's, I don't know, I feel like he's out there getting wasted and it's just like, all right, yeah, I think I'm going to spend like half a mil tonight. Fuck it. I I mean, that is a lot of money to an NHL guy. We talked about it. I mean, I don't care if you're making, you know, uh, $5 million a year or $6 million a year. Still, it's a half a million dollars, you know, like that. You you don't get your full salary. They don't give you, if you're $9 the fees and stuff that the NHL takes, plus all the taxes the government takes, 
that's still a lot of money for an NHL guy. Tips do you get for that? You know, I'm used to going to the casino and cashing in a hundred dollars and getting dollar chips, a couple five dollar chips. I get four twenty chips. Those are high rollers. But what does this fucker get? <laughs> what this fucker get? He's getting, you know, ten thousand dollar chips. Do they have those? I don't even know. That's out of my league. Yeah, and you're like, man, if I, if I play all night, I might get a free room. What's this guy get? Like, you know, free fucking blackjack table like at the end of the night or what? Jesus, great. A whole floor? <laughs> you're just comp for the year, man. Just just keep coming back because we need that money. I There was a picture on social media when Evander Kane got out of his entry-level contract. He was in Vegas. You guys might remember. He had stacks of money, and he was putting it up to his ear on a yeah. balcony in Vegas. We Stupid. can bring that up and put it on uh we can find that and we'll put it on our twitter and social media accounts but it, there was a picture of vander kane in vegas after his entry level contract i forget what he signed for but he had a stack of cash and it was fucking he held it up to his ear and so it just i'm just saying that just because it tells you that Obviously. Well, listen. Hey, maybe maybe it explains why wasn't it wasn't it him that was uh, when he played the Bruins recently that was fight, trying to fight everybody. Char was Char was tangling with him a bit. Uh, he was going after McAvoy like crazy. Maybe yeah, McAvoy, yeah. maybe McAvoy was chirping in his ear like, "Hey, where's the five hundred thousand bucks? Gambling bet. There you go, Sweeno. But uh, <laughs> it, they, who knows? Maybe that's something to do with it. But it sounds to me like this guy. Uh, I don't know. He probably likes to have a good time, man. That's that's. You can kind of read between the lines. He probably likes to get uh, a little fucked up, but I don't know. Did you guys see a? There was an article re- recently, like put out by the Athletic, I think, and it talked about how a lot of these players now, instead of like going out and having a few beers after the game, are using like Molly and ecstasy and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I did see that. You see that? So I, I don't know. Maybe these guys are getting whacked out and going and spending <laughs> money they don't have. Who knows what the hell there's what the hell's going oh, on? Oh yeah, we've all been there. You woke up the next day and your bank account's empty, and you're like, shit, I knew I should have yeah. spent all that money. You know, but well, we only had we only had uh, like ten bucks in our account, so like you know it wasn't <laughs> a big deal. But uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting story. We'll see how that develops. Um, no doubt, definitely interesting. We'll see what happens with him and Ryan Reeves next time they meet up too. But yeah. uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of what's going on in Florida. Uh, two teams that um, you know we expected the Lightning to be a lot better than they are. Uh, being in the middle of the pack, not not winning games like they they have been. Kucherov only has four goals. Uh, you know, I think last year, I mean, he was just scoring a goal a game. Uh, so you know, to be 15, 16 games in, uh, four goals, struggling. Um, you know, Vasilevsky's had subpar nights. Uh, he, his his average, his save percent average is down this year. Uh, just a surprise. Um, for me to to watch some watch these games because if you look at their roster on paper they're they're nasty, right? So you know it just seems like why aren't they scoring? Why aren't they winning games? They couldn't lose last year. I mean they were just on fire. Um, you know nothing's really changed. They didn't really make any moves in the, in the off season. We talked about it. They should have been really good this year, uh, and it's just not there. Um, you know so that's I kind of I, I sent a text out. Sorry to interrupt, but. I sent a text out. I mean, is it even, you know, should we even consider Tampa as one of the top teams in the NHL anymore? I, I think you do. I, I think kind of what's happening with them is I, I think there's a bit of a hangover from last year. I think they had such high expectations last year 
and then to get bounced so quickly out of the playoffs. Yeah, Yeah, they felt, you know, they they were so high and then fell so hard. I think there's a bit of a hangover. I I think, I personally think that, uh, I personally think that Tampa will end up turning this thing around. They have too good of players, too good of coaching. Um, It's so early in the season. I, I think, you know, they've, they've played some tough teams early, too. You know what I mean? The, the schedule hasn't been a cakewalk early. Um, I, I think some of what you're seeing, though, is kind of like a hangover from last year and kind of a, that disappointment kind of still lingering on a bit. And I think uh, once that team gels a little bit, gets a few wins under their belt and gets rolling, I think it, I think they'll turn it around. I, I think that you can still legit consider them like a contender at the end of the day for sure. Yeah, and they're over in the Global Series. We got the Global Series coming up this weekend um, in Sweden. Uh, it's yep. the Sabres. Uh, uh, just not that Tampa's there, but that's where. Uh, yeah, Tampa's there. Hedman's. Yeah, Tampa's there. Hedman's the only guy from the team. Um, it's uh, that's Swedish. Sab- yeah. Sabres so, and uh, uh, Tampa. So. Yeah, so to, to touch on that just quickly, Pat. Yeah, they're playing the Bruins on Friday and Saturday night of the Sabres this Friday, Saturday night, and they're in Sweden right now. And Hedman's been injured, and he had his uh, first day back today um, skating. So they interviewed him, and he's, you know, kind of saying that he thinks I, – I can't see him not playing. You know, he's in his home country. When the hell is he going to get to play an NHL game there again? Probably never. And um, so I see him coming back for that game on Friday with the Sabres. Um, that's the global initiative that the NHL is doing is something that they've been doing for a few years now where they've been playing games in, in Europe and uh, trying to develop that uh, NHL brand in other countries. Uh, they talked to the to the GM and the, and the owners of, of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And one of the big things that they've been doing is building their brand across the United States, too. And they've uh, been able to sell their merchandise instead of just in Florida and Tampa area. They've been able actually because they've been so good. They've expanded throughout the whole country and they made a uh, you know big strides in developing their brand. And now they're trying to develop it. Same thing over in um, in Sweden. And you know it's just like anything else. At the beginning of the season, they start a game over in China or you know yeah, wherever basketball. it is. Yeah. So yeah, um, and, and football is doing that in London, right? So uh, I just had a quick question off the topic, a tangent going on here. You guys, I know uh, the NFL is always playing football over there uh, in London, uh, wherever. And and they talked about getting teams over there, which is just almost impossible with the travel. But can you guys see maybe a NHL team over in Europe? I mean, last year there's 95 Sweden-born players in the NHL. Big hockey market. Could could they could the NHL get three teams over there? And, you know, maybe the Bruins, the Rangers, and the the Devils, per se, uh, go over there and stay for two weeks or three weeks and play those teams and then go back. I know they've, they've talked about this in the uh, NFL, getting one team, but I just don't think one team would do it. Why would a team go over there, travel that, lo- that flight and play one game and then go back? And, you know, usually you have a bye week. But um, do you guys think – in the NFL or the NHL that you will ever see uh, expansion over there? I think Derek probably knows better than I, than I, but I, I'm pretty sure it came out this week that um, San Diego's thinking about going to London because the LA thing's not working out. Did you hear that, Derek? Yeah, I did. The the, the owner of the Chargers shot that down pretty quick, though. Yeah, um, I heard I heard his comment on that. Yeah, I said it was bullshit, basically. But um, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't. I, I, I just don't, heard I don't see how it. 
no, I, you're right, Mark, though, because there was a lot of talk about that. But I don't see how it's feasible. I, I really don't. I mean, how do you make one team, you know, for every away game have to travel, you know, eight, yeah. nine hours? You know what I mean? How, how do you how do you do that? I mean, it's such an unfair advantage to to the team that they're going to play. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I was I've thought about this and we can you can relate it to hockey, too. I mean, you would almost have to like. Like in the end, the only way I can see it working in the NFL is like you create like an another like entire division. Yeah. And then that, you know, that, that division, yeah, like that division just like plays over in London. These two divisions play over here in the U.S. And then like maybe at the end, like, the, you know, some kind of playoff format happens at the end of the year where, you know, you bring a team, you bring the top teams from London over here or whatever. I, I don't know. I can't even in my head they, wrap they have around to. how it would work. Yeah, you would have to ha- go over there and stay for three weeks. Right? Yeah. I, I think personally they need one or two teams. That's not going to happen in the N- uh, NFL. But I think it's possible in the NHL to get a couple teams in Sweden and maybe other, other a couple other countries around there. And a team like the Rangers will go over there. The, the flight from New York to San Jose, from New York to London or Sweden's the same. But the, right. the hour is different. You know, it's four hours to the West Coast, but over there it's like eight hours. So that kind of screws you up a little bit. But Yeah, three to, and six. But Yeah, three six. and six. So you'd have to go over there for uh, a couple weeks. But I I think it's – I think there's more potential for the NHL to do that. Yeah, I, the way I see it right now, I, I think there's more potential for them to pick up U.S. markets and um, maybe Quebec – uh, you know, there's a bunch of cities that don't have hockey in the United States. Um, I mean, I don't think there's, uh, I mean, if you look at maybe a Southern team, say, you know, uh, New Orleans or, uh, you know, maybe in Wisconsin, Green Bay or, or Madison, Wisconsin or Michigan, you know, or, you know, some of these, these cities that don't have teams. Right. So, I mean, there's probably more room in the United States. I do think it's logistically tough to go to Europe and, and keep the league, um, travel wise feasible but you know pat with the way you're saying it, the nhl probably looks at it we're gonna we're gonna pick up a whole new market right so yeah. we're gonna have tv rights in europe we're gonna have merchandise in europe we're gonna have all this bullshit bringing money to the nhl from you know overseas right well if you stay in the united states or at a team in canada or in like seattle coming in they still have you know a little bit more of a market but they don't have that international market so I think, it, in my opinion, I think it'll come down whether the NHL gets greedy and wants to make more money, you know, and then think that's why they're going over there now. They want to pick yeah, up I mean, more viewers from over there. And you hit the nail right on the head, Mark. Why are we even going over there, NFL, NHL? Because obviously they, they're making money, right? Yeah. Their, their, their sales are good over there, so they're going over there to make it even better, but... Uh, we can we can banter this topic all night long. But. Yeah, so I'll just touch on uh, before we get off to somebody else's conference or teams that we're going to talk about tonight. I'll talk about the Panthers because they have been a little bit of a surprise, um, maybe not to our podcast, but to maybe some of the other people that um, are watching the NHL this year. Because we had talked about the Panthers having a decent team, new coach, and uh, Huberdeau has uh, had an awesome season so far for them. Their assistant captain. Uh, he's at nine goals, and I think he's got like eight, 18 points. Or, yeah, he's got 18 points. Barkov's got 17 points. You know, yeah, Ekblad, Yandel, Melgin, 
Um, Connolly's actually, you know, been playing well. I don't know if you saw him. He had a nice goal the other night. Um, but Huberdu and, and, and Barkov have been been stellar for them. Uh, 18, 17 points. Uh, they both play on the same line. And I was watching them. They beat Detroit four to uh, nothing the other the other night. Bernier was uh, actually playing pretty well, um, even though he let four in. And then Bropakovsky, I didn't say that correctly, but he, uh, you know, he had a shutout. He's been playing. Actually, it's probably not his best year as far as his numbers and save save percentage wise, but um, he has been playing fairly decent for them. Uh, so I think you know, with a new coach, some new players. And, um, you know, some players that are hot is, you know, we might see some good things about the, the Panthers actually being able to bump up a little bit in, in the standings. And we haven't seen them really do shit in the last couple of years. So they might be a surprise. But I think the biggest surprise is the team that Derek's going to talk about here shortly. Yeah. And just to elaborate on that a little bit more, they got Trochak, uh, Ekblad, uh, Yandel, um, Bobrovsky, like you said, Barkov. Then they got the Hall of Fame coach down there. So um, make a little noise. Funville, huh? yep. Yeah. No, they're a good team, man. Yeah. They, uh, I, I, I listened to a little segment they had on NHL Network the other day with uh, with Hubido in there. And he was, you know, he's basically saying that they're a team that has, like, no fear of playing any team in the league. They feel like any team they go out and play against, they can beat them. And, um, you know, when you have that mentality, that's probably, you know, it's probably – you know, system mentality too, handed down from Quenville a bit too, where, uh, you know, his, 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 uh, professional arrogance probably has worn down to his, uh, to his players, you know, they feel like they're unstoppable. Um, you know, but you got to got, you got a lot of pieces there, man. And then you got Bobrovsky in that, that, you know, he's top level, you know, one of the top goaltenders in the league. So yeah, uh, he's going to, he's going to keep you in every game. So, I mean, Florida, Panthers, man, it, it's, it's not a, it's not an awesome market for, for hockey, you know, more people would rather be sitting on the beach than, than in the rink, but uh, they got a hell of a team down there. And if they build it, people will start coming for sure. Yeah. For sure. Playoff times for sure. Yeah. No, just a better parity in the league too. You know, you know, it's like you look at a team like Florida, you know, they need the fan base. They struggle to put people in the seats and then, you know, but they're, they're playing well. They're probably getting more people in the seats now. Then you're going to take a team like Detroit, and you know it's supposed to be the powerhouse. You know, like they've got the nicest arena probably in the league, and I mean they they can't win to save their life, right? So they've been struggling. Um, there, so you expect some of these powerhouses just to be good every year, but it's not happening. You're getting teams that are, um, you know, in other smaller markets actually competing, which is good. You know, that's good for the NHL that there's parity in the league. Yeah, yeah and Detroit. Speaking Detroit's of that, in transition big time though. I mean, they're they, you know they're they're rebuilding. Iserman, yeah, Eiserman came in there, man. That that team's at least a year away from you know, and I think most two. of the league understands that. Yeah, year or two, you know, so got to give them time. But go ahead, Pat. No, I was just gonna say, speaking of parody, I mean, uh, the Islanders. Ooh. Are they on fire? Yeah, get get into that, Derek. Talk a little bit about the Islanders and the Rangers and. Uh... What's well, listen, I mean, that? when it comes to the Islanders, you know, their goaltenders, they, their two goaltenders have the highest save percentage in the league. Okay. So that's, you start with that right there, but um, they're a team, you know, that in my opinion, I, they're, they're kind of a surprise. They were good last year though, but in my yeah. opinion, they're a team that is completely bought into their system. Right. So mm-hmm. um, they have completely bought into the, to the coach's system. It's uh 
you know, it's 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 a handful of, of decent players, but I think what it boils down to the Islanders is just they're a, they're a system team that has bought in completely, and they're not intimidated by any team that they're going to see. So um, it, it's it's pretty it, they're pretty fun to watch. I think they're I'm not sure what their record is exactly right now, but at one point last week I thought it was like eleven and one or something like that. So yeah, something um, crazy like that. Yeah. And, it won like ten in a row. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think last year Derek might even mentioned it that that was the last team if he was behind the bench as a coach that he'd want to face uh, just because, you know, they're unpredictable. Um, but in, and on to elaborate what you were just saying, Derek, that, you know, the head coach came in, came into the Islanders, um, Trache, right? Not Trache. 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 Yeah. Yep. And uh, so the, there's a lot of players that are back from last year. So they, they know the system. They know what Barry wants. So it's it's a little bit easier that first year when he you know you get a new coach and they implement a new system you might get confused it's almost like football right you get a new coach in there offensive coordinator that's totally different from what you're used to it takes a little while and if he's there for a couple years and the players are there the same players are there for a couple years it takes a while to you know just kind of you know produce and i think that's the islanders right now and i think they had uh um Barzell on the NHL network the other day who you know pretty much said that verbatim that you know our first year he came in and put in all these changes and we we're kind of um, learning but now we have pretty much everyone back and we know what he expects we know what he wants yeah I mean and we can do it they got a guy too I mean look at Broussard the way he's playing for the Islanders you know that guy I don't know I never really understood why like he he seemed to bounce around the league quite a bit and never be able to find like a, a permanent home um, but he's a hell of a player, man. He's he, he's producing those guys. I think over the last five games, I think Broussard's got four goals. Um, yeah. You know, and they got Anders Lee. Um, you know, they got a squad that's got some good guys on there. It's more of like a, uh, you know, it's it's no huge standout all-stars on that team. It's just like a group of guys that is just, I keep saying it, it's a group of guys that has bought into a system and they're just kind of tearing it up based on that system that they're playing. So, um, they're a gritty team that you don't want to play against. And then on the flip side, if you want to talk about the Rangers, they're kind of, you know, uh, they, just to put it in there real quick. I got it. I had the game on just ended five, uh, one. They just beat uh, the Red yeah, Wings. So. Yeah. You know, they had, they, they stumbled a bit when they played Ottawa, but before that, I think they beat the lightning and the predators, right? Uh, yeah. They pull off a couple got of really big wins. Got some big wins, man. And they're, you know, they're a young, young team that is still developing, you know, Chidal, they brought Chidal back up. Uh, he contributed right away. You know, he was he, he I think he popped in a couple of goals in his first couple of games back. Uh, Capo Caco, man, he's got, I think, three goals uh, over the last few games, too. Um, they're a young squad, man. They're, they're a young squad that, you know, the goaltending uh, uh, Georgiev has played, Georgiev. Has played pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, he's played well. You know, uh, his his save percentage is like, ha- you know, his or I'm sorry, his goals against are like. 2.5 and uh Lundquist is like like four like four goals a game he's letting in I think the problem with with Lundquist so is he's used to being the big dog you know he's used to playing all the time getting all the starts and he's only playing like 50 percent of the games right now but when you look at the Rangers they're a young team I think I think um as the year goes on if they can start stringing together you know some more of these wins they're a team that could catch fire I think and uh kind of surprise some people it's 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 uh quinter quinter's doing some stuff you can see when like during his uh, press conferences 
it seems like he's got a little bit of uh i don't know he's he's almost like a little bit ticked off when you when you hear him like when they when they lose a game uh you know he's he basically kind of not throwing his not throwing his players under the bus but he's you know he's talking about how they're not kind of buying into the system as well as they could uh things like that but they're they're a young young team on the on the flip side of uh the islanders that you know i think they can i think they're going to surprise some people honestly i think they're they're about 500 right now as far as as far as their uh uh record goes but i think you're going to see some good things from the rangers as the season goes on yeah I'm with you yeah, just, to, just to touch on the Rangers, um, you know, I think one of their biggest problems or, you know, not really a problem, but the, the biggest thing that they're going to face is that league that they're in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just, uh, you know, like we talked about, the, the Lightning's not playing that great right now, but they're a good team, right? And they got to face them and they got to face, you know, uh, the Bruins and uh the, Ma- the Maple Leafs and, you know, there's a lot of powerhouses in that league. So if you're not like one of these powerhouses and you're kind of the rebuild team that's trying to scrap by and get yeah. wins, yeah, it's tough. It's probably one of the hardest divisions to, to, to well, the Central is pretty, pretty good too. But you know, that's, I just see it. They got a lot of good teams and they're beating them though. I mean, if you look at their last like five games, they've won three out of five, I believe against top teams in that division. So you know, they, they're doing it, and, uh, you know, it's just a long season to keep beating those teams. So we'll see how they can fare throughout the season and if they can keep getting those Ws against some of these big, big-time big squads. Yeah. yeah. Lundquist had to start tonight too, right? So And they had a 5-1 yeah. win. So that's, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good start for yeah. Lundquist. Yeah. 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 I, don't know who, uh, I don't know who the goalie yeah. was. Quinter, the... Quinter right. doesn't – Quinter didn't really have too much expectations going in. You know, it was a rebuild mode. So um, – He's kind of able to sit back, uh, know that he's not going to get fired anytime soon. And like Derek said, that uh, in a couple of years, they're going to be good. Uh, they're good right now. Good team. Um, like Adam Fox on there. Fox, who the Fox? Who the Fox at? Uh, but the Central, what I've been keeping an eye on, uh, Dallas is on fire right now. Finally, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I think I said that Dallas, we're still early. We got most teams 15, 16, 17 games, like I said earlier. But Dallas is finally on fire. Um, you know, they won four in a row, seven uh, of their last eight. And uh, after a surprising start of one and seven, which is surprising. But uh, Colorado's got a couple injuries. Uh, Ratnan still um, hurt. They lost a few games, but they lost to Minnesota, two games um, to Minnesota, which I don't know if you can even count that as a game. Um, but, uh, Chicago and, uh, the Minnesota wild in the central division, I think you'll see them down there. They're pretty brutal. Um, pretty much playing in the sandbox. Uh, they're boring, but I, 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 St. Louis is up on top. I don't think you'll see, see St. Louis up there too much. Again, they played Minnesota last, uh, a couple of their games ago, they played Minnesota, beat them twice. Um, but Nashville's up there. I think Nashville's uh, goals against average is unreal. So they got some firepower. Um, average and, of four goals a game. Yeah. yeah. Plus yeah. 17. Yeah. So I, I don't think you'll see much uh, change up there. It's going to be the Blues, Predators, or the Avalanche uh, flip-flopping all through the season. Still early. Um, I still predict the Avalanche are going to come on top once they're healthy. Yeah, the Blues are up on the Oilers right now, three to one in the third. Uh, Blues have been playing good hockey. They just, I just watched them play the the uh, Wild twice. 
um, last week. Um, the Wild actually, ha I've never seen this before, but they had three goals in that game put in off of their own players. You know, I think one was Greenway, uh, you know, and two off the defensemen, right? So they scored three goals on themselves. Uh, you know, just to talk about Minnesota real quick, it's, you know, they've been struggling, but they haven't really been getting blown out. They've been in the games, they've been struggling on scoring. But what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks is they've actually got that figured out a little bit and they're getting goals from Stahl and Zuccarello. Uh, Fiala had a goal last night. So some of yeah. these guys are popping their cherries and you might see some, you know, you, you might, see some, might see some confidence. Uh, I really like that Stahl-Zuccarello line. Uh, Stahl-Zuccarello-Zucker line has been playing great. Yeah. And then they, they put Felino, uh, Felino Greenway and Erickson Eck, which is three big guys on the same line, which we talk about we think is scrappy line, you know, yeah. kind of scrappy. But they've actually been producing. They yeah, didn't have any – Blaino got yeah. a goal, right? Blaino had a goal, but they, uh, Greenway had a bunch of chances last night. Uh, been playing really well for them in the corners and getting the puck, and he's starting to shoot the puck more, which uh, I like to see from him. Uh, you know, he's he's a, a kid that likes to feed the puck a lot, and uh, you know, especially out to the point. So I'm, you know, even they even mentioned it during the game that they, you know, if we can get him to shoot yeah. the puck a little bit more when he comes out of the corner instead of dishing it to the point, but he's he's yeah, got yeah. a great playmaking. You know, I. Yeah, and that's the thing. It just comes down to numbers. If you take 2,000 shots, you're going to get 50 goals probably. If you take 100 hmm. shots in the NHL, you're going to get uh, 10 goals. But uh, uh, the Minnesota Wild, they've been on the road. I want to say they've got 15 games under their belt, and they've been on the road for thir 13, 12 or 13. So um, Yeah, Staloc's been playing well too in net for them. Yeah. You know, uh, Dubes yeah, yeah. has, in my opinion, Dubes has been shaky. They've been going with him, but they started to, to switch back to Staylock. You know, Staylock's a goalie that's out of the net a lot and plays the puck a lot and feeds it up to the defenseman, setting it up for him. Um, does a lot of the stuff outside of the net as well. And he played well last night in their win against Anaheim. Um, then they got the Sharks tomorrow night at 1030. Um, so we'll see how they do in their West Coast run. Uh, I did see that they, you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought there was no hope for them. But actually, in the last couple of weeks, they've actually been playing some decent hockey. It's starting to put the, the puck in the net because you can't win a game. You can't win games when you're only scoring one goal a game. You know, now they're scoring two, three goals a game, you know, and, uh, you know, that's what you need to, to win in this new NHL. Well, they average uh, the wild average like four goals a game at home and they, they only average like a goal a game on the road. So they're, yeah. they're you know, they got to get that figured out. But talk, back to the Blues real quick. Um, you got to give them a lot of credit for, you know, doing what they're doing without Tarasenko too. So, I mean, that's, yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty big to have him still be on top without Tarasenko. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Bruce even said that he said, you know, in today's NHL, you cannot win an NHL game with three goals. You, you know, you need five or six goals because, you know, that's the way it's come down. Um, you know, just getting those dirty goals in front of the net, you know, rebounds or, you know, poking at the goalie, which, you know, ma majority of, uh, um, you know, the Wilds goals come from, um, you just, you just can't win that way. You, you need, you need some top scorers. You need to shoot the puck, you need quality yeah. shots. Yeah. And, and last night you saw, um, the Greenway feed, uh, uh, Dumba he hit, you know, he hit the pipe, you know, it's good play. And one of the things I don't see the wild doing this year that they've had in the past is they've had a lot more production for their from the defensemen uh, in the past years. Where Brad this year they have, 
Yeah, Hunt has had a, has a good season going as far as points goes. He's you know leading their defensive and defensive core in points right now. But you know D- Dumble before he got hurt last year was one of the leading scorers for defensemen in the league. You know Spurgeon had a bunch of goals. Uh, I think you need to get a little bit more production out of some of those top Sutter. Um, you know get some more points from those defensemen uh, to to help out some of the forwards on on the, on the scoring front. Uh, and then you got guys like 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 Donato hasn't scored. You know. Um, you know, he needed, you need that kid scoring. He's shooting the puck, but he's not shooting it well. You know, he shoots, shoots often, but he's not, he's not playing like, like he did last year. I gotta say, I I think it's because he's not, he's been getting some healthy scratches. You know, to me, that was never helpful. I I never found, felt not helpful at all. I mean, some people think that's motivation. Bullshit. Yeah. And then you got a guy like, you got a guy like their captain, Koivu, um, you know, he's one of the best face-off guys out there, but, you know, they need more production out of him, right? He's your captain. He needs to score. I don't think he's had a goal yet this year, uh, you know, so you got these guys that should be producing for you, um, you know, like Greenway been doing great uh, in the corners. They've been talking him up like he, st- he still needs to pop his cherry. Uh, you know, they need to start getting some goals from these from these guys that they expect to score. You can't rely on Stahl, Zuccarello, um, you know, Parise. You know, he had open netter last night. I mean, that doesn't count. I mean, look, it's, it's frustrating. We, we can pick the, the meat off of this carcass all day long. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's frustrating. They need to get their shit straight out there. Yeah, I do. I, you know, like I said, they, they've struggled big time this year. Pat says they're probably going to be in the cellar. But I do see, you know, by watching a lot of minutes, uh, they have played a lot better lately and they have got a lot more production out of their forwards defensively they're fine like they, they usually hold the team to a couple goals right but they can't win these games by only scoring one goal so we'll see what happens there uh robbie let's move out into the uh pacific really quick um talk about the that division yeah, before we wrap it up pacific's pretty easy right now the the two hot teams that i can see are edmonton and vancouver um, you know, Edmonton, I, I think we talked about it before. We get so caught up talking about uh, McDavid all the time. Um, you know, Drysado gets overlooked. Neal has uh, 11 goals in 16 games already. Like, yeah. uh, when, when they picked up Neal, I remember everybody going, why, why are they picking him up? Right? So, you know, he's still got plenty of gas in the tank, it, it looks like. Uh, Good goaltending out there, too, Mike Smith. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing well, um, you know, so uh, Nugent Hopkins, I haven't – I mean, he's got some assists. He's got one goal right now. So, you know, I, I think after – this is what happened last year is you had three guys that produced and everybody else was, you know, next to nothing. So what I'm, what I'm looking for out of Edmonton, if they're going to go into the playoffs, they're going to have to have more than – Dry Sato, McDavid, and, and Neil, you know, putting points in the back of the net. Yeah, and they have a, they have a nasty power play with those guys, um, you know, with McDavid and Dry Sato. I don't know if you've caught some of their power plays, but yeah. um, you know, those two two guys are nasty. Uh, I don't think Dry Sato gets enough credit sometimes of how good he really is. I mean, people know he's good, but because McDavid's on the team, you know, he he'd be the number one on a lot of teams, you know, so. He's a stud. Uh, he's been producing. Neil, you know, having a stellar year for them. That's huge for Edmonton. 
Uh, I, I mean, I just think that team's finally kind of getting in their groove after, you know, years and years of struggle uh, in Edmonton. And, and we might see good things out of them this year. If they keep up the, the way they're playing now and producing up front, you know, I, I think we're going to see them, um, you know, in the playoffs this year, which would be cool because we haven't seen team Edmonton, you know, in the playoffs in a while. And it'd be nice to, you know, obviously it's an iconic team in the league and, you know, obviously going back to the Gretzky years, it would be kind of cool to see McDavid, you know, starting that new era of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. And James Neal, I, I'm sure you guys elaborated on that a little bit, but this is where, this is what we were supposed to be talking about with Edmonton. Edmonton's supposed to be a good team. And, you know, finally they got a new coach and, uh, you know, maybe this is the year to uh, Edmonton starts turning it around. I mean, on paper, we can just talk about that all night. And, well, uh, I, and I think that's I'm fair. Glad to see right. Sorry, I think that's yeah. fair and you're right. But what what I see with, with Edmonton only having three guys taking up all those points, is there going to be a Tampa Bay Lightning? They might make playoffs, but they're going to get bumped. You cannot do it with just McDavid uh, or, you know, even dry oh, You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And Derek, you touched on uh, Vancouver a little bit. And, you know, if there was a team out there that I kind of never watch, it's Vancouver. I don't know why, but it seems like any game I watch, it's never a Vancouver game. So I don't know much about it except for some highlights, but Derek, I know you touched on a little bit, you know, you want to maybe just talk about Pedersen and what's going on. Oh, yeah, there. I mean, Pedersen had nine points last week. I mean, the guy is, you know, he's he's small of frame. He's kind of like a Gretzky kind of kind of, kind of of build guy, you know, but all that guy does is put fucking pucks in the back of the net, man. It's just, it's uh, it's crazy. I, I think the whole, I think the Western Conference is fucking stacked, man. It's, I mean, you look yeah. at teams, that, I mean, I, you look at the Eastern Conference, you know, there's kind of the, you know, there's obviously a good handful of teams that are pretty, pretty good, you know, but there's a lot of good fucking teams in the, in the Western Conference. It's like, it's on, I mean, between Nashville, Arizona, Vancouver, Colorado, Calgary, Las Vegas, Calgary. I mean, those teams out, they're playing like a, they're playing like a different, almost like a different style of hockey out there. Even it's like, you're seeing you're seeing goals get scored out there, you know, at like, you know, teams. In um, it's crazy. I don't know. That that conference is stacked. Even even Anaheim. We haven't touched on Anaheim. Anaheim's been playing really well. Yeah, former coach Edmonton's coaching uh, uh, Anaheim. But uh, yeah, I mean that's good for hockey, right? Those West Coast teams. You, you, you know, you talk about the original. Um, hockey teams, original six up there, New England, Canada, where we're from. But uh, the West Coast teams are stacked. And that almost goes to, I always, you know, think when somebody says that, that the West West Coast teams are stacked. Like some of these hockey players want to go out there where it's warm weather and, uh, um, you know, they're filling the stands. Um, lost uh, The Kings, they fill up. San Jose fills up. Um Arizona, we could talk about Arizona, Phil Kessel, uh, what they're doing out there with uh, their head coach. But uh, Carolina Hurricanes, um, we talked about the Florida Panthers, uh, Tampa Bay, they got players. So a lot of these teams, I think the veterans like to migrate south or to warmer weather. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not going to Winnipeg. <laughs> hey, what happened, uh, what what happened, happened with Buffalo? Yeah, well, what's up with that? 
tweet out Rob on that when it first happened and we got so much negative feedback that Bufflin wanted out of Winnipeg and do we tweet hey, that those two guys? Right. Last shows up to the table. <laughs> we need to retweet that fucker out there and make some so, comments. So Bufflin is what suing the NHL for his money or suing Winnipeg for his money. Fourteen million dollars, I I want to say, give or take a few million. Um, he's he's got an ankle injury. He's he's having ankle surgery, and he's saying because the NHL is fighting it because he signed the contract before the NHL season, saying that he was healthy, that he was, you know, I will be with you guys for the 2000, you know, 19, 20 season. Signed the contract. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. So signing that contract. I mean, you're saying it's like signing any other work contract that you're willing to play this year. And he didn't show up to training camp. And now he's saying it was because of an ankle injury and having surgery. So now he's suing, wanting his money. So that's going to be uh, a lot of talk here in the next year or two. Yeah. His money. Bunch of bullshit. It needs to show up to camp. You know, it's like, what are you doing, man? You know, you're at the end of your career. Fucking Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're right, Mark. I mean, it, when he when he turns 40 and he looks back at this he, and if he loses his money, he'll be like, what the fuck was I thinking, man? $14 million. It should have just yeah. played. I didn't even have to go 100%. I just could have went out there and fucking dumped, <laughs> dumped, dumped it in, dump and chase. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about Winnipeg uh, much, but they're actually playing pretty well, too. Um, yeah, I don't know what their record is, but, uh, you know, I have seen they've had a decent start to the season. Um, without him, they, they made some key signings right at the, the beginning of the season to get back some of their studs and um, keep some of that team together. There was a lot of talk that those guys were going to go. Uh, they didn't want to be there, and you know, line A, you know, a couple other guys. So, I mean, they did end up signing and getting everybody back except for Bufflin. So, I mean, if they did have Bufflin, that'd be a different team because he is a difference maker on, on the blue line and, um, you know, I, I would, you know, I look at it and I say, man, you're making 14 million a year. Go fucking play. Don't be a cry ass just because you don't like the weather or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, go fucking play hockey, man. You're getting paid more money than anybody's going to get paid to fucking play a game you love. You know, yeah. just don't be a cry I'm ass. Right. You know, it's just like anybody, you know, any sport, if you don't want to play for that team too fucking bad, you know, this is professional sports. So they signed you to play. You know, if you don't perform, they're going to trade you or you can ask to be trade traded, but don't just don't show up. It's like not going to work because you don't fucking feel like it. Right. So uh, I just cold. Kind of, I'm not going to work. <laughs> I just I don't agree with what he did. I think he left his teammates hanging. You don't do that to your teammates. Um, you know, they're they're there to win. They want to win games. You know, you're part of that team. You don't leave them hanging out to dry. So I'm not a big fan of what he did there, and, I, and I'd like to see him, you know, if he's really got an ankle problem, why is it coming out now, or did he fucking trip and fall on his fishing boat in Minnesota? So <laughs> you know. He signed a contract that he was healthy. So I think you'll see him back towards playoffs. They'll probably uh, negotiate something, come back, you know, tomorrow. We'll give you half your salary, and he's going to – and he's watching hockey right now saying, fucking A, what am I doing? He, he might be thinking that. I'm just assuming that, but. I think, I think he's thinking he wants to get out of Winnipeg. I think Maybe. he wants to get out of Winnipeg, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I we, we talked about What do you football. guys think? I mean, real quick, I mean, what do you – don't you think, like, if you had to pick a division that is, like, the best division in the NHL right now, I, I think the Pacific has 
the most talent, honestly. I really do. Yeah. That's where they all yeah, are, Carlson. If you take the, the division as a whole, you know, I can see that. If you pick and choose teams, I mean, you know, can you take the Bruins and the Leafs out of that category, yeah. you know? But as far as actually a division with every team being pretty solid, you're seeing a lot of good yeah, hockey out west. In the Pacific, you got Edmonton, Vancouver, Arizona, Vegas, Calgary, Anaheim, San Jose. I mean, San Jose is underperforming big time, but I mean, you take the top no, 16. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, you take the top six teams in that division. It's, that's that's a stacked division. You talk about yeah. the Bruins. We got to talk about the Bruins a little bit before we go. They, they probably got. Yeah, I mean, the Bruins have. I, I talked. I said this in a text with you guys a couple of days ago. I think they have the best line in the NHL. Um, Dude, I like heard. So, I heard they got they got a great goaltending too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I heard a guy on NHL Network. The other day, I'm not sure who he was. He was an analyst, so-called analyst on there, and he was saying, um, you know, the, I don't see how the Bruins can can make it anywhere in the playoffs when they only have one solid line contributing. And I thought to myself, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? But, I mean, that that <laughs> line, I mean, that one line, they stay healthy. I mean, that can, they, can, they can carry that team wherever the hell they want to go, I mean, frankly. I mean, yeah. there's no line like that in the league, I don't think. Um, yeah. You can talk about you can talk about Toronto probably with a you know a line that probably has the names that add up to that to them to that line, but they're not producing like them. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, no, that, I think the comparison was what is going to be Edmonton, right, and Drysaddle and McDavid. Yeah, would be because, yeah. But I, you know, in my opinion, Boston's got the best. That that's the best line in hockey by far. I yeah. I watched them play Pittsburgh the other night. Great game. Um, Boston came back and beat Pittsburgh, but um, I think I sent a text out too to you guys that you know me us watching the Minnesota Wild all the time. Um, it's kind of you know boring. Uh, and then hockey because of it. yeah, you know they're watching some <laughs> basketball. It's that boring. But when I watch the Bruins play Pittsburgh, holy fuck, man, action pack. That's odd. Yeah. And who would say that the one line can't beat them? They, they've been last year. They went deep. Um, they got the best goal, one of the best goalies in the league. They got the best fucking defenseman core, Tory Krug, uh, Chara Krug's fucking just lighting it up on the power play. Charlie McAvoy, um, you know, Grizzlick. I mean, yeah, yeah. So and, Bruins are nasty. And with the Bruins, the when they went to the playoffs last year, a lot of their production came from their fourth line. So, I mean, yeah. if you if you didn't watch the playoffs last year, then maybe you missed it that they you know they obviously they coined the exactly. perfection line. I think it was Ron McLean or Don Cherry or somebody coined it the perfection line for the fourth Bruins. Line, but, yeah. but, well, uh, and you know who led that is Coyle, yeah. right? Minnesota got rid of him. Yeah, and Kelsey or what's his what's his name? Uh, yeah. Also on the fourth line there. But you know, so if you you can't say they don't have more than one line because when they were in the playoffs last year, their fourth line was winning in game sevens for them. So, you know, I, I don't agree with that either, Derek. Uh, you know, good point there. It's just, you know, I think that's kind of bullshit. I, just, I think, I think that like on some of these networks now, you know, you just, they just put people out there to say stupid shit to like, to get attention. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, it, that's completely like, you know, if you're, if you're paying attention to the Bruins at all, you can't look at them and say, oh, you know, this, this is the only line contributing. If they only have this line contributing, they're not going to make it anywhere. I mean, the, the Bruins are like, 
I mean, maybe some of their, you know, some of their, you know, third, fourth lines aren't contributing yet. You know what I mean? As much as they should be, but they're going to be, I mean, they're going to be, and they're, they're a team with tons of talent. I mean, you look at Marshawn, a guy like Marshawn, he gets more attention sometimes for like some of his antics and stuff like that, but he just had a five point game. I mean, who the hell has five point games in the NHL? I mean, it's uh, the guy. You look at the leaders in the NHL, it's Bergeron. Pasternak and yeah. uh, Marshawn and the, and I think goals against or whatever is fucking and they're all on the same best. fucking line. Yeah. And, and and to speak about exciting games, uh, Pete, we were watching the Sabers play the other night and it was the same deal, man. Super exciting, fast. The power plays were awesome. I mean, tic tac toe power plays with uh, you know uh, Eichel and Skinner and Reinhardt and those guys and. You know, they, the, the Sabres looked unbelievable. I couldn't believe it, you know, because I don't watch a lot of Sabres games. But, you know, I was really impressed about how well they looked. Uh, a lot of talk out of Buffalo right now is when Bogosian, they have two defensemen that are hurt that are coming back really soon. But they have six defensemen that are playing well. So we might see some moves um, out of Buffalo to trade somebody uh, when these guys come back because they're going to have eight defensemen that are pretty good. And, uh, you know, obviously they can't use them all. So who's going to go? Who's going to stay? Is Bogosian going to make the lineup? You know, uh, are they going to stay with who they've been, you know, going with for the first 15, 16 games? So I think that's like the biggest, uh, you know, what if in Buffalo right now. A lot of talk about what's going to happen when these guys get healthy. Yeah. Buffalo's looking good, man. Very excited to watch. Uh, exciting to watch. I think Hutton is, uh, you know, a, just a fun goalie to watch. Hutton yeah. is the, the Sabres goalie. They've got, uh, you know, Linus in as well. Uh, what's his name? Linus Olmark, yeah. um, who is, you know, is also very good. But, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see Hutton in that there. Yeah, I can't remember who, we were, who they were playing. I remember we were texting back and forth uh, in that Sabres game. But, you know, it was just like you said, you know, some of these games you watch, they're just dumping chase, grinding in the corners, you know, a couple shots here and there. But these were like chances after chances, and the goalies had to make big saves. And, you know, it was like every other shift there was like a, a major, like, chance to score. So it was like, you know, was something. That the game they went into overtime and we were, we were texting back and forth and uh, yeah. they hit yeah. two posts like right yeah. away. They were solid posts. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, a, I think it might have been an OT uh, shootout game that game. But, you know, that we could talk a little bit if you want um, about the three on three overtime. Uh, we've talked about it over and over. All night. Let me go. You know, <laughs> You know, is it? You know, is this really hockey? Um, you know, five minutes to three on three—that's deciding these games. Are, you know, they're both getting a point. Like, here you go. You played a good game. We'll give you a point. Like, is that fair? To me, it's just the NHL giving it to non-hockey players um, to make it more exciting, right? Us as hockey players don't like to see that. Grind it out. Play the fucking game, and. If you put whoever puts the puck in the net wins, but I think the NHL is going to, you know, I think who did we have on? I think it was uh, Carrie Frazier said that they moved to that, you know, this style of overtime just because um, they were going into TV programs, the next TV programs, because, you know, it was third overtime. We're going, we're talking three hours NHL 
Um, so the programs were getting pissed. And uh, so they had to do something. But to me, the NHL did this for non-hockey players, right? I to make it that. more exciting. I agree with you. And it used to be four on four, but that wasn't good enough, right? Uh, scoring fast enough. There, you know, three on three. If you if you watch it, it's all about puck possession, right? So they're skating the puck out of the zone to keep yeah. possession, and then they're going back in the zone. I mm-hmm. mean, if you they've they've figured it out. The guys have figured out. They figured out four on four. Once they figured out four on four, it went to three on three. Now they're figuring that out, and they're figuring out right, whoever has the puck the most is probably going to win. So you'll see them if they don't have a good chance, they'll pull it back all the way out to the red line and go I back mean, in. If you win that initial face-off on three-on-three overtime, there's a good chance you're going to win the game. Yeah, kind of like football if you win the coin coin flip, right? So I, I don't agree with it. I'm with you on that, Pat. Uh, you know, it is exciting. There's a shootout because there's only five minutes, and a lot of times they don't score, so you get to shoot a shootout. But the shootouts are they aren't as an ex, you know, you see them so often now. It's not like it used to be like, oh, man, a shootout. I got to check this out. Yeah. You know, it's like you see them After every week, more, you know. I mean, an NHL rink is 200 feet long, 85 feet wide, right? So, and then you got six players on the ice. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just that's too much room. It's too it's too easy. It's too easy to to move the puck. I mean, that's that's not hockey. I, I completely yeah. agree with you, Pat. I think they did that like as a like as a pawn for like a bunch of dweebs out there that they're trying to get to watch the watch hockey that don't know much about it. And yeah. um, that, I, I completely agree with you. It's the same thing with the penalties. I'm so fed up with the penalties. I mean, you know, being a gritty hockey player, I can't stand the bullshit of your fucking stick gets touched on the skate and the guy falls down and it's, you know, not well, intentional uh, tripping about, right away. What about the Minnesota call, Mark, on the uh, interference, Zach Parisi in front of the net? So if, if what is <laughs> the fucking rule, right? So is anything, if, if my jersey fucking touches a goalie on a goal in front of the net is that interference i I mean there's there's got to be a set rule that if the players if the offensive player is touching the the defensive goalie it's got to be goalie interference right because that's what it was yeah his helmet turned a little bit but that didn't he wasn't in the crease though so it wasn't in the crease he wasn't in the crease so how he's standing with his back to the goalie He's not in the crease. The goalie's head hits his shoulder, so it's his fault. Goalie's head hits his shoulder. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So why why is it interference if he's not in his crease? Right. Get back in your fucking crease. Right. So I can stand here all I want. Why is it interference? Yeah. I so, that's that's where I took from. I thought you, you gotta know, get what, it down. Like, what is the specific rule? It's kind of vague that goalie interference is when an offensive player is interfering with uh, uh, the goalie. Okay. So. I'm not in the crease. Parisi, so for all the listeners, Parisi was out of the crease, shot from the point. The goalie slid right to left, and his helmet touched Parisi's right elbow. Yeah, and kind of turned his mask a little bit. But his momentum didn't stop. He kept going, and the puck went in the net. And I think we all texted each other. We were like, yeah, it could go either way, depending on the refs. And sure enough, there's fucking no goal. And Bruce was pissed. You know, he probably only yeah. had nine, eight whiskeys before. <laughs> He's been pissed a lot lately, man. I don't even watch him. Holy shit, doesn't even shave anymore. They've had some Some, bad luck. Somebody stole his razor. He doesn't even shave anymore. He looks like he slept on a park bench. I don't even know if they let him travel with the team anymore. Definitely has an electric razor. He does not use (laughs) it. 
<laughs> well, fuck, it's shaving a circle. I mean, it's like there's no like <laughs> a pumpkin. <laughs> it's not like there's any contour to the fucking face. It's just like a basketball, man. It's like holy shit, where does chin go? But uh, man, it's, some of these rules and some of these these penalties drive me nuts. Like Zuccarello got a penalty last night. He even like just threw a stick. Like the guy was skating over a stick. He knew he was getting a penalty. Like dropped his stick, put his arms up in the air. They called him for a trip, and he's like, ref, I'm trying to do everything I fucking can not to trip this yeah. guy, and you give me a tripping penalty. Yeah, it's just – it's getting kind of out of hand uh, as far as the penalties go, and I don't get it. You know, that's a penalty, and then you see a guy cross-check a guy in front of the net, fucking drop him on his face, nothing. You see a guy in the corner, cross-check him in the back, fucking drop him, in the, you know, right to the ground, nothing. Like, what is the difference between laying a guy out from behind, which happens every game, all game, or, you know, touching his skate and he falls down. You know, so it's, it's just like certain things they let go, which you think, man, that's kind of a penalty because they, they, you know, defensemen are always hitting the forwards from behind and knocking them down in front of the net or in the yeah. corners. But that seems that seems good, and it's from behind, and, you know, it's interference or whatever they're going to call. But it just – to me, there's just some things that the NHL in, has got in so – In defense of the refs, though, when you're in the corners, like the board game's – if you don't have a board game in the NHL, like playing against the boards, you're not going to win. And I think the refs know that you have to be strong against the board, right? So if Suter gives someone or a big defenseman, Yoshi from Nashville, gives someone a cross check in the back, the refs kind of saying, stop being a, you got to be strong. Stop being a pussy, stand up. It's a whole different ball game in front of the net when you're just standing there and you get a cross checked out of fucking nowhere, yeah. open ice. So there is a little difference there between when you're against the boards to when you're in open ice in front of the net. That's, that's the only thing when you're near and, the boards, expect a cross check to the back or something, because you know, you gotta be tough there, but in front of the net, it's kind of, yeah, know, it's it happens every game. game and they don't yeah. call it. But the other thing is, as a defenseman, you know, I was a defenseman and you know, if you had a, you were a step behind your guy and he was going into the net, you could lift up his stick. And that was yeah. like basically your only fucking play, like to reach your stick out, get into his hands and lift his stick. Okay. And that was a defensive play, right? You cannot touch his hands at all now. So if a guy gets a step on you, you just skate behind him. And like, that's your fucking defensive play. I mean, I just don't think, why can't you lift their stick up? I mean, that's yeah. part of hockey. That's how hockey has been played for years. When you're back checking, you get into their stick and you get into their hands, and that's how you fucking stop the play. You can't even push your elbow to push your stick off the puck. That's interference now. Yeah, I I was back checking. If the guy was ahead of me and he was going and there's no way I could get it, I'm pushing both elbows to hopefully for him to. Or his bottom hand. Well, his elbows just to kind of push his elbows, you know, so he loses control of the puck and then I can get it. You can't even do that anymore. And so, I mean, it's just, it's like, uh, you know, the, the, the way you have to play defense now is you're just so, um, I don't know what the word would be, but you're just constricted of what you can actually do to play defense. If you're behind a guy, there's no play unless you can skate faster than him and get in front of him, which is impossible, you know? So, I mean, you don't have to trip a guy, but why can't you get in? I mean, why can't you lift his stick up? Why can't you get in, you know, getting into somebody's hands used to be a defensive play and that was what you were taught. You know, and that's how you play defense from behind because if you got into his hands, you couldn't shoot and score, right? So that's, in my opinion, that's how you play defense, right? So 
now now you have to lift the stick, not touch the hands. Um, that's it. But I I, just, I don't agree with some of these these calls. A lot of gray area, yeah. I think they're gray. just taking way too much away from the defenseman. Um, you know, just in giving the advantage to the forwards. What kind of advantage have they given to a defenseman in the last ten years? What have they done to help the defenseman? Almost out? all calls are, you know, it's like you go either way. I don't know what they're gonna say. They don't yeah, want that, man. They want goals. The the it's about yeah, goals. They want goals. Right? Yeah, so, yeah that's what I'm saying. As a defenseman, like, what has the league done for you? You know, they they yeah. took taken all of that, you know, clutch and grab stuff away, and they've taken even getting into somebody's hands and and uh, you know lifting their stick up. So, you know, I see, I see the forwards are just babying them a little too much now, where you can't touch them almost like a quarterback in football. And I, I just think it's bullshit. I mean, I like to see the goals. I like to see five, four games. But, you know, I would also like to see a guy be able to make a play um, on defense. So Five, games, uh, five goals. But, you know, there's uh, starting to get the music in my ear, guys. So it looks like the producers had enough of our banter for one night. And, uh, you know, looks like we have to wrap it up. Anybody got any other news they want to just throw in before we uh, wrap up the show? Uh, next week, we got Steve Dubinsky coming up, another NHL uh, Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer, uh, alumni. Uh, played at Clarkson University. Clarkson University. Um, played in the uh, NHL for a little while. And then, uh, I know we've been saying it for a while, but we finally got John Waddell, GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, Ben Flynn. So, that's you. Um, I think we might be able to get uh, Staylock from the Minnesota Wild and maybe even Luke Carrello. So, got a couple good podcasts coming up and um, can't wait to get some hats. Someone was talking. <laughs> yeah, the old branded bill hats are down at the uh, doctor's house. So, the doctor's got to get out the medicine to the boys and make sure they've got their lids to represent in their respective your respective cities so uh if you haven't checked out their hats they're awesome and you can customize your own hats and they've done some pretty sweet ones for the for the blue liners and um check them out on youtube you can check out our our podcast uh actually on youtube and watch the video of the show now so if you haven't done that yet get on there and check it out it's pretty cool to be able to watch the guys uh live on youtube See uh, how, also much, just... how much Derek drinks <laughs> <laughs> drinks a lot and uh if if you don't have time to watch the video and you want to listen to it in your car, you know, you got all your podcast platforms to catch the Blue Liners. And uh, we've got 80 episodes now, so if you missed one of our big ones like Eddie Belfour last week, uh, make sure you get on and listen to that. Great episode, and we've got plenty more to come in the future. So always check out our Facebook, our Twitter, Instagram for all the latest stuff that's going on at the Blue Line Hockey Club. And uh, obviously our, our website has all of our information there, too. So check us out, like us, retweet us, all that good stuff on social media. And until next time, folks, keep your stick on the ice. Bill. Oh, doctor. Keep your head up.